you have your Bible, turn with me, if you will, to Romans chapter 1. Most translations of the Bible, uh, the 21st verse of Romans begins a new paragraph, and rightly so. In the previous verses, Paul has explained the fearful status of men and women uh, who are exposed to the wrath of Almighty God and explained why this is our condition. We are objects of God's wrath because we have rejected the knowledge of God, which all persons possess as a result of God's disclosure of himself in the works of nature. So now Paul is going to take that description of the human race uh, further by showing the results of that re rejection, what happens as a result of men rejecting the knowledge of God. Yet these paragraphs are closely tied together as well because Paul doesn't immediately begin to talk about the results of our rejection of God, which is his ultimate purpose. Instead, he cites two more things that humanity is guilty of. So there are three failures in all. The first one, the one we, we've looked at last week and will kind of review a little uh, this week, is that men have suppressed the truth about God. God has given abundant revelation of himself in nature. But men look at the creation and they suppress the truth about God that is seen there. Uh, that uh, is the sin we looked at last week. And secondly, men have refused to honor or, or worship God in spite of the fact that they have this genuine knowledge about Him. They will not worship Him. And thirdly, they forget to be thankful. To know God is to know ourselves as His creatures and thus to know that all that we have and all that we enjoy is from Him. And yet because men willingly block the knowledge of God from their minds, they refuse to honor God as God, and they are ungrateful. A great Russian writer said one time, if man is not stupid, he is monstrously ungrateful, phenomenally ungrateful. In fact, I believe that the best definition of man is the ungrateful biped. And that is true. Men are ungrateful. One of the things that, that I think that we need to be warned about as believers is, is not to fail to be grateful, to be thankful for all that God has given us and all that He has done for us. We have a tendency as well to slip into uh, ungratefulness, ingratitude, uh, a failure to be thankful. But this is common of mankind. So in, in verses 20 and 21, he talks about man's refusal to acknowledge God. And Paul is interpreting uh, human spiritual history here in the light of the fall, uh, experiencing the wonder of the world around us imparts to us an awareness of a, of a creator distinct from creation and yet one that is sovereign over the whole operation. So Paul says, 
For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. So all men, all men have a knowledge of God. Knowledge that can be seen in creation. What theologians call general revelation. You cannot know the gospel from creation, but you can know that there is a God. And you can respond positively to that God. We know from the creation, God's eternal power and his divine nature. I said last week, human beings are hardwired with a knowledge of God from what they can observe around them. They instinctively know something about God. Uh, Indeed, as Calvin said, they can be ravished by the beauty of God. The tragedy is that rather than appropriate this knowledge of God as their creator and worship him, human beings instead reason their way away from God. Uh, Paul identifies the human response to uh, God's revelation of himself in nature as issuing in a refusal to either honor him or thank him. And as a result, people become futile. They become foolish in their thinking. And their minds uh, are darkened. So they exchange the glory of God for images of men and reptiles and birds and animals. That's what it means to suppress the truth about God. What Paul mentioned in verse 18. Sin turns people's minds away from God and against God. It's called the noetic effect of sin. Noetic has to do with thinking, uh, mental activity. And because men refuse to acknowledge God as God, from what they can see in nature, their minds become twisted. Their thinking goes away from God and against God. So sin doesn't just mess up humanity's moral compass. Sin infects the mind to such a degree that the default position of humanity becomes hostility towards God, enmity with God, the Bible calls it in another place. And verse 21 does not mean that, that men know God in a salvific sense, not in a saving sense, but rather they should have a general knowledge that He exists. There is no nation so barbarous, so savage that they don't have a deep-seated conviction that there is a God. Uh, Creation makes that abundantly evident. But man fails to honor God and be thankful. Verse 21, uh, they have not honored him as God. What does that mean? The word honor and the word glory here are interesting words. The word honor uh, doxazo, uh, in the original Greek, the, the verb and the noun uh, formed the word that we get our word doxology from. Originally, the verb meant to appear or to seem, and the noun came to mean an opinion. 
a person's opinion of someone or something is how that person or thing appears to the one that is observing it. From doxa, we get our English word, orthodox, which means a correct or a straight opinion, heterodox, which means a different or a wrong opinion, and paradox, which means a contrary or irreconcilable opinion. Uh, So at one time, these words were concerned with either a good opinion or a bad opinion of someone. But eventually, they came to refer to a good opinion only. At that point, the noun came to mean the praise or honor that was due to someone about whom such good opinions were held. And the verb referred to uh, rendering that individual the honor uh, that they deserve. Kings possess glory. The word glory comes from this word as well. Uh, because they merited the praise of their subjects. The word is used in that sense in Psalm 24, when the psalmist says, Who is this King of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. Uh, So at this point, we see the effect of using the word glory or glorify of God. Who can glorify God? Those who have a right opinion about him. Those who know and appreciate his attributes. Uh, The one who knows God as sovereign, holy, omniscient, immutable, loving, merciful, so on, praises, worships God because of those things, honors them. so to, to worship God, to praise God, to honor God, to give glory to God are all the same thing. They are all identical. And Paul says that is precisely what the human race has not done. They don't have a right opinion of God. They do not recognize God for who He is. Uh, we might also say that That means that knowledge is essential to worship. You have to know something about God. You have to have a right opinion of God to give Him glory. That's why, you know, we work at explaining the Bible so that we can have a right opinion of God because you can't worship someone you do not know. That's not possible. Uh, churches where emotion is 99% of what they do and then talk about how much, uh, how spiritual they are, are deceived. Because you cannot worship who you do not know. Uh, in, in the hymns that we sing, uh, in, in everything that we do, our theology must be correct so that we are properly honoring God. And so it's, it's absolutely necessary that we have an understanding of His Word. Failure to worship or honor God follows naturally from the willful suppression of the truth about God. 
that he has revealed to us in nature. We've already seen that we reject the things God has revealed because we do not like the God to which the truth leads us. Uh, we don't like God for his sovereignty because sovereignty negates man's autonomy. Men do not like God for his holiness because holiness opposes and condemns his sin. Men do not like God for his omniscience because his omniscience terrifies them. They know God knows everything about man. And men do not like God for his immutability. That means he's not going to change. He knows everything about you. He has a proper perspective of who you are, and that's not going to change. He's always going to know everything about you. So men repress all of those things and deny God's existence because they don't like the God that is revealed. Um, we'll talk about this a little bit later on, but men love the idea of God. They don't love the idea of the God that is revealed in the pages of Holy Scripture. They love the idea of a God that they invent. And, and all of the gods that are worshipped in the world is not evidence that men are seeking God. It is evidence they are suppressing the truth about God. They are running from God. Uh, so, since men do not like God for all of his attributes and his characteristics... Um, then they do what the Jews did, you know, when they came out of Egypt after they'd had that miraculous deliverance. What they do? They fashioned a golden calf and said, these are your gods, O Israel, that brought you up out of Egypt. How foolish. We read those words in the 32nd chapter of Exodus and we think, how could they be so dumb? And yet enlightened people all around us do it every day. Man doesn't change very much. Man has not changed much. Because men do not honor God as God, they are not thankful. Again, Romans 1, 18 through 20, teaches that the existence of God is abundantly disclosed in nature. That means, of course, not merely that God exists, but also that all that we are and see have been brought into existence by Him. He is the creator of everything. If we have life, it comes from God. If we have health, it is from God. The food that we eat comes from God. The clothes that we wear, the friends that we share, everything comes from God. If we fail to be grateful for this, it is because we are not really acknowledging Him or we are rejecting a proper relationship to Him. Um, now, some of them say, well, we experience bad things too. That's true. You know, we, uh, we, we, we get sick, we have suffering, we have sorrow, we have death. And yet, if you think for a moment, uh, God's abundant mercy is all that keeps us out of hell today. It is only by the mercies of God that we are not consumed every day. If God were not merciful then you and I would be condemned to suffer his wrath forever. But in mercy, he has sent Jesus Christ to die for our sins. And by believing in him, we have the forgiveness of sin, eternal life, and we have his mercy and his grace. But 
men erect this great mass of ingratitude against God and refuse to honor Him, worship Him, or be thankful. Really, Romans 1.21 reminds us that rebellion against God doesn't begin with the clenched fist of atheism, but with the self-satisfied heart that refuses to say, thank you. Man does not thank God for his mercy, for his goodness, for his dealing with us in his providence. We take, we take the sunshine for granted, take the rain for granted. It's not been easy to do here lately, but how often do we thank God for his gifts and his blessings? Uh, God is the giver of every good and perfect gift. He is the father of mercies. And yet many people go through all of their lives never thank him, ignore him completely. That is how they show their attitude toward God. And in this way, they suppress the truth concerning him. That leads to futile thinking. So men have suppressed the truth about God. They refuse to glorify, honor him, or worship him. And they have neglected to be thankful. And that, that not only affects men's relationship to God, it also, as a secondary result, breaks down the ties that exist between the Creator and His rational creatures. When Adam rebelled against God, not only was his relationship to God broken, but his relationship to Eve was broken as well. The fall of man created the battle of the sexes, created the, the, the hostility that, it, that can exist between you and other people. Adam acted the fool, and he became one. And so the whole human race as well. According to the words of our text, the first result of man's rebellion against God is he becomes a fool. His heart is darkened. Uh, man is cursed because he is lacking in reality. The word thinking in verse 21 it is, is an interesting word. Uh, we get our word dialogue from it. And the point is that having rejected the truth about God that God revealed to all human beings in nature and later through Jesus Christ in the words of the Bible, human beings are left to their own devices uh, and they cannot discover truth. They simply rearrange error. That is true of every generation of men that have lived on the earth. Men are just rearranging errors today. They do it technologically advanced, more so than a thousand years ago, but they're still just doing that because they lack reality. They, their thinking is not well. Then they have limited recognition. The word uh, wise is an interesting word, uh, Sophia. From it, we get words like sophistry, sophisticated, sophomore, philosophy, philosopher, philosophical. A philosopher is someone who loves wisdom. A sophisticate 
is someone who thinks himself to be very worldly wise. And this is what those who have rejected the truth about God imagined themselves to have become. It is what Adam imagined he had become. He would become wise, like God. In ourselves, we think that we're very intelligent, sophisticated individuals. Paul's point is that men are not being honest with the data that they are treating. And the reason they're not honest is they don't like the direction in which the data points. Uh, so instead of using their minds to recognize and pursue the truth that God is real and that he is to be worshipped, they use their minds to provide philosophical justifications for their rejection of God. How many people in the world consider themselves to be extremely sophisticated because they don't believe in God? As a matter of fact, it's you rubes back in the backcountry here that, you know, don't have that sophistication that they have. You know, you believe in God. I, I saw a, a, an article, I think it was in the New York Times this week, and they were, they, were, they were not really making fun of the fact as much as they were just incredulous that all of the people that they had talked to in Putnam County about the tornado this week mentioned God. And they, they were just astounded that people would mention God. Uh, so that leads to willful rejection. The result of the first two uh, leads to the willful rejection of God and becoming a fool. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. The word is morose. We get the word moron from the word. They claim to be wise, they become fools. In the Greek language, fool does not mean merely to be guilty of intellectual folly, though it includes that, but to be guilty of moral folly and wickedness as well. It's the same thing in the Old Testament. In Psalm 14, the psalmist begins by saying, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. But the words there is do not appear in the original language. Really it says, the fool has said in his heart, no God. He knows that God is there because he sees him in the creation. He just doesn't want any part of it. No God. You know, if I, I've used this illustration a number of times before, but if I sit down at your dinner table and you pass me the green peas, I will say, no peas. I know they're there, I just don't want any of them, okay? Well, it's the same thing with men. They know that God is there, they just don't want any of them. I've often wondered in my life why a person who did not believe in God would spend their time and efforts writing books to convince everybody else that there is no God. I think they're trying to convince themselves, to be honest with you. I mean, because if there's no God, okay, big deal. You know, I don't believe in unicorns. Okay, but I don't go around all of my, you know, with all of my uh, effort trying to prove to everybody else that unicorns aren't real. Okay, they're not real. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to spend my time. I'm not waste. But why, why do atheists do that? Uh, this is, but the reason that this is such a reprehensible term is because it has this moral quality. If fool only referred to a deficiency in intellect, 
that could not be a bad thing, at least in terms of our relationship to God. Uh, None of us can ever know God fully. He is infinitely above us. I've said that we will spend an eternity learning about God, and there will always be more to learn. We'll never know everything there is to know about God, ever, because He is God. He is infinite, and we are finite. But if this word includes a moral, ethical element, as it does, then it is truly bad, for it refers to our willful rejection of whatever truth about God uh, that we are capable of receiving. And that compounds man's guilt, for it adds the sin of hypocrisy to his sin of rebellion. Man has rebelled against God by rejecting the knowledge about himself that God has revealed to us. In addition to that, while willfully scorning the truth, man makes exalted but ridiculous claims to great wisdom. I never saw the advantage of studying uh, philosophers who were not believers. Why? Why would I do that? What would it give me any profit? If it's not true, why would I want to spend my time studying it? Uh, There's some disagreements there, of course. I mean, there's uh, very learned and able scholars who believe that that is a noble pursuit. And I'll let them pursue it because, frankly, philosophy gives me a headache anyway. So, you know, just as well. But then in verse 23, we come to man's fatal exchange. In the midst of these verses, Paul introduces another word that is uh, extremely significant for understanding the nature of non-biblical religions and of human psychology that has produced them. It is the word exchanged. Uh, It occurs here where Paul says in verse 23, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds and animals and creeping things. Two verses later it occurs again. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. This word explains why the human race has been so determined to invent human religions to replace the worship of the one true God. Um, you're, You're familiar in psychology that there is a recognized sequence of human experiences that are known as trauma, repression, and substitution. Psychologists say that when some great trauma comes into our lives, we may repress the memories of it in order to deal with the situation, but that doesn't make the trauma go away. So we substitute something else in its place. What man has done is substituted unnatural behavioral patterns to fill the void from having the trauma of having rejected God and repressing the truth about God. Because of our primitive break with God in Adam and the result uh, sinful state in which man lives, whenever man experiences the revelation of God in nature or in the Bible and Christian preaching, then there is a trauma that emerges that they must repress and substitute 
something else. They can't erase the trauma of being confronted by God. Nature is all around them. And so an act of substitution takes place. They become religious. Paul says they make idols of men and of animals and birds and reptiles. That explains the universality of religion on the planet. The fact that people are religious does not prove that they are seeking God. It proves the contrary. It proves that they are running away from God. They have invented something of God that is not true, that is not found in Scripture. Men are not able really to do away with God altogether, and so they invent human religion as a substitute for the trauma of having rejected him and suppressed and repressed the truth about him. Uh, And that leads to another word in the text. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. As a result of all of this, man goes into darkness. That's the equivalent of saying that their thinking became futile or they became fools or they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images to look like mortal man. When men and women turn from God, they do not admit this, of course. They they talk of having bright new ideas, of enlightenment, of seeing the light. There's rarely a a week goes by that I don't read of some uh, sophisticated thinker who is too enlightened to believe in God. Uh, There was a whole movement of philosophy a century ago in Europe that was called the Enlightenment. Uh, But since God is the only source of light, any ideas of enlightenment apart from God are an illusion. Uh, What we need is the revelation of the power of God to bring us back from the self-inflicted darkness into God's light. That is what has happened to Christians. We have been brought out of the darkness and into the light. Before God worked his grace in us, we are as much in the dark as anyone else. Uh, Paul writes in Ephesians of what we were like in our unsaved state. He says they are darkened in their understanding, separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their heart. All unsaved are like that. That's what we were like before we were saved. However, as a result of God's illuminating work of grace in our lives, Paul can say in Ephesians 5, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. God has uncovered for us, to use the psychological terms again, the source of our great spiritual trauma. He has dealt with our rejection of his revelation as well as all of our other sins that come from that and he has made Christ known to us and he has brought us back into harmony with himself so that we no longer need to run away from him but rather can bask in his light. We're able to live by his light. 
Paul goes on to say in Ephesians to us, live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Find out what pleases the Lord. We are those who live in the light. If we know God, we must show it by walking in the light, even as he is in the light. That is our task, to live as children of light. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. We are to shine as lights in a dark, dark world and take the message of the gospel, which alone can bring men out of darkness and into the light. We are to take that gospel to a dark, sinful world. We're going to have a